I'm Curtis Dean, one of C-Band's co-founders. Our guest is Mike Smith, and Mike is a senior communication planner for Cedar Falls Utilities. Cedar Falls Utilities is a C-Band provider member, and uh, Mike is part of the team there that has uh, done a lot of great things in the community of Cedar Falls, but not just the city itself now. We're going to be talking specifically about what Cedar Falls Utilities is doing to close the digital divide in some of the rural areas around Cedar Falls. Hey, Mike, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me here, Curtis. Appreciate you it. You bet. Well, just kind of give everybody a little overview of Cedar Falls Utilities. There may be people watching this that don't know where Cedar Falls is or doesn't know what you're doing. And, you, and, and well, even though you've done some really cool things, they may not know about it. So let's brag a little bit, right? Right. Uh, Cedar Falls Utilities is a municipal utility um, in Northeast Iowa. Uh, we, uh, we have four separate utilities under one roof, uh, electric, gas, water, and communication. Uh, the communication utility was started back in uh, around 1994, and we initially built a uh, HFC system. Um, and then in uh, 2009, 2010, we made the decision to uh, overbuild our current system and retire the HFC system and replace it with uh, an all fiber to the home. Um, that, that project completed around 2012, 2013. Okay. And we went right from that to uh, uh, expanding into our, uh, some of our rural coverage um, our electric utility covers about 95 square miles uh, of area out in the rural uh, that they provide electric services to. Right. And so we we chose some areas there and, and built to about mm, about 400 homes. Okay. And, um, so that kind of fast forward to this point here, where uh, we also at that time uh, uh, back in 2012, 2013, also. Uh, installed a wireless network to pick up some of the customers or uh, homes that were maybe a little further out right uh, out of uh, the range of the system that we had built the fiber of the home system so um, that brings us up to today where uh, we had uh, wanted to extend uh, fiber services to all of our electric customers right and uh, in our service territory uh, and then the, uh, the NOFA funding became available, and that's kind of led us to this, where we decided to expand to all of those areas that were eligible. Great. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, because that's some really exciting stuff that you're doing. Uh, you're not the only municipal that is doing that, but you guys have certainly uh, taken on the task of building out uh, in rural areas uh, more than most. Now, you mentioned, you know, obviously the city, people that live in city limits of uh, Cedar Falls have had great broadband for a long time. Um, when you guys made the conscious decision to start expanding services, whether it be fiber or fixed wireless outside of your traditional footprint, at that time, were you hearing a lot from people that lived in those areas saying, help, we need something better? Yeah, uh, we, we commonly get requests to, to provide service. Uh, two rural customers that are maybe outside of the uh, 
the existing fiber footprint that we had mm-hmm. built, uh, initially. Um, and we have made some extensions, but uh, pretty rare. Um, usually the cost uh, is too prohibitive yeah. to, uh, to do that. Um, so in, in there are other instances where uh, maybe a wireless customer has trees or they can't get line of sight uh, for that uh, connection. And so, yeah, there has been uh, a large uh, interest and uh, a need for it out in these areas. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things people I don't think understand is, um, well, some people do because they eat, live, and breathe it, but some people don't understand just how expensive it is to build a fiber network in a, in a sparsely populated area. Those, those costs per customer can range well up over $10,000, can't they? Yeah, we, we did some cost models uh, um, that were getting up into that range. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and certainly we had to uh, make decisions to uh, cover areas that would uh, tend to lower that overall cost per passing. Right. Uh, we were able to get our cost per passing down to, uh, well, I, I would say a, about $5,500. Excellent. And that's, for a rural build, I believe that's uh, fairly inexpensive. That is. I, I know that there some uh we're going to talk about the uh, Iowa broadband grant program i've some of the applications that uh, were were approved even in that last round saw per pa- per mile or uh, per passing figures up um, well above ten thousand dollars even approaching yeah. fifteen to twenty thousand in some cases it, you know I would imagine perhaps there's a little better concentration near a larger metro area like the cedar Falls Waterloo area than there would be out in the middle of Hamilton County or something but um, sounds like you guys have um, innovated a little bit. You've also, one of the things I think is really great that you've innovated in as a cost-saving measure and also just as a way of quality control is you guys are doing most of this work yourself, starting with the design, right? Yes, all the, the design uh, and all the materials, the choices we made on materials are all been made in-house. Yeah. Right. I had the task of... Uh, of coming up with the design uh, and fine tuning it probably 15 different times uh, and then expanding it beyond what the initial idea was uh, when uh, the, uh, the, the, the funding areas uh, became more clear. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, our design did or, or the plan to build grew a little bit. And so, um, yeah, everything's being done in house. We are contracting out, uh, the underground construction of the conduit. Okay. Uh, but all of the, all of the installation of the fiber, uh, and splicing, all of that will be done uh, in-house. And you have a pretty good team. Uh, you know, Cedar Falls, one of the larger municipal, certainly the largest municipal broadband utility in Iowa, but one of the larger ones even around the country. So, uh, you also have a team that's quite experienced because you just went through this inside your own city limits here just a few years ago. Yes. Um, that project, our initial fire to the home build in the city uh, was, was mostly all contracted out. Okay. Uh, and we definitely learned some lessons there um, and also found uh, efficient ways of doing the work ourselves. 
And so the CFD takes pride in being able to, to do a lot of the work themselves. Yeah, well, that's that's great. Again, it's not just a cost-saving measure. It's a quality control measure. Yeah. And there's only, you know, you can't point fingers because you're pointing at yourself if you're uh, responsible for the work. Well, along comes the uh, Iowa Broadband Grant Program. There have now been uh, seven rounds of funding under the Iowa Broadband Grant Program. We call them NOFAs. NOFA stands for Notice of Funding Availability or NOFA. And um, now, Mike... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the the sixth round of funding, which was issued this fall. But had you uh, had Cedar Falls utilized any of the previous funding rounds for any projects? We had not. The NOFA six um, was the first one, to my knowledge, that we had utilized. Okay. Um, and uh, we had quite a few areas that we challenged. That, uh, and I think that was one of the uh, interesting aspects of the NOFA funding. Uh, some of the broadband mapping uh, had not been up to date or uh, updated properly. Right. And, uh, so I, I think that's, that's really also one of the positive things that's come out of it is updating that uh, broadband map to, uh, to accurately show what's available out there. So, um, yeah. We're often here at, uh, at C-band wringing our hands over broadband maps and the, the, the lack of quality of the ones we have, we're all waiting for better ones for future rounds of funding. And there's certainly many, many billions of dollars that are going to be coming down the pike here in the future. In, that, in the process you went through, you basically had to look at an area on the map and compare the map to truth. Uh, how, how did you evaluate, mm, that's really not served, whereas the map says it is served? A lot of it was because we had existing wireless or fixed wireless customers out there so we knew that they had no other choice yeah uh, so we knew this area was underserved uh or not served uh, sufficiently right uh, for bandwidth and um in in uh, some areas showed that they were covered by another service well we knew that to not be true because those customers were calling us asking for service yeah they they tried they 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 had real world experience where the other provider was not available. So they came to you and then that allows you to, so you were pretty successful in your map challenges that you went through. Actually, every area we challenged, we were able to provide the information needed and necessary. And uh, we won every challenge area. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's not an easy process. And it's certainly um, kudos to you and your team for making that happen. Yeah, we were, we were just as surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is the, pulling up the map, this is from the state of Iowa, their Iowa broadband map, uh, incentive map showing where different incentives have been awarded to providers in different areas. And we kind of zoomed in here around the Cedar Falls area. This is uh, Cedar Falls proper. Mike's sitting somewhere around in here right now yeah. in uh, near the river at the Cedar Falls Operations Center. So talk a little bit about um, the decision-making that went into a First of all, identifying these areas and deciding that it was worth appealing a map um, and building to those areas. And then the process that it took for you to actually submit an application that made sense and obviously did because you got funding for it. Well, the, the first goal, uh, I guess the intent was to uh, serve all of our existing wireless customers. Okay. Uh, 
there, okay, that and also to serve every uh, electric customer in our service territory. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, Cedar Falls Utilities has uh, about a 95 square mile coverage for electric uh, service. And so that was um, one of our uh, main goals was to uh, provide fiber to the home for every electric service uh, customer we had, okay. and also provide a fiber uh, service to all of our uh, fixed wireless customers. Great. Um, so the, the shaded area on the map shows the, the service territory uh, of, or the uh, targeted service areas that were granted. Um, there are some areas within that uh, that aren't shaded, but we are also servicing as well as part of this project. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit before we got going here. I was curious about the town of Benson, or if it is a town, it sounds like it is, yeah. but that's an area you had previously served. Yes. Um, yeah. And and and, they're, and and some of these are almost like, they're not, it's not so much rural anymore when you get to an urban area like this. It's almost like really sparsely populated suburbs in a way. It's yeah, country, there's... but people choose to live in the country because they <laughs> like the larger lots and wooded areas and whatnot, so... Yeah, that area uh, just north and west of uh, right, right about where your cursor is there, that is already serviced with our uh, existing rural system. Okay. In the town of Finchford, if you see that up there, yep. uh, that, is, that is already fed by our system as well. So you can see we, we already kind of covered that area right in the middle of all that. Yeah. So it's kind of an edge out strategy really, isn't it? Well, yes, uh, unfortunately, the initial uh, rural uh, fiber network that was designed and built was not really designed to be expanded upon. Uh, okay. uh, there wasn't excess capacity. So there is going to be uh, part of our application included upgrading uh, some of the uh, cables that fed that in order to uh, feed this uh, extra capacity we're going to need out there. So increased fiber counts so that you've got more yeah. fiber capacity out at the edge of that. So when you go beyond that edge, there's still plenty there for that. Yeah, this uh, this design that uh, we've come up with uh, will be able to be expanded upon. Uh, and if uh, there's a sufficient backbone, if, if they wanted to build 300 homes out there, we could service that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I that's really an important point you bring up, Mike, because it's something that isn't all, sometimes is maps don't show future development. Right. right? And uh, I, I know of another community that I've had conversations with where they've applied for grant funding in their state for an area that they know in the next three to five years that there will be 50 homes there. They aren't there yet, and therefore the, the, the their funding has been turned down because they say, well, there's nobody living there. Yeah, but I can show you the plans for that development. So right. that's the frustrating part. Maps represent a snapshot in time. And sometimes it's a really blurry snapshot. You've made it a little uh, a little sharper where you're at. But um, it's it, it, and, and by being able to accommodate areas of future growth, that will allow those developments to probably be more prosperous than if they had to some, suddenly scramble to find somebody to serve them. Right. And, and that played a, a key role in choosing the design that we ended up going with. Um, 
and and also the fiber counts that we we chose uh, and uh, so yeah I, I believe we have a system that uh, I believe there will be uh, significant growth as far as homes being built um, I think having this uh, uh, system and communication system available uh, mm. to homes out in the areas is going to uh, encourage people to build. I think we'll see more of it. It certainly makes a, a property attractive when you know that it is 100% capable of um, getting the best service available. And I would say in your case with Cedar Falls Utilities, some of the best services available across the country. Absolutely. Uh, in, now that we're, we're going to be expanding quite a ways uh, from our home office. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, definitely we'll present a new set of challenges to uh, adequately and uh, sufficiently service those customers, which um, Cedar Falls Utilities has such a great uh, reputation for service. Right. And so it is our number one priority is to be able to service those, but you know, that's that's why we are building the way we are, uh, uh, which is a very reliable uh, system uh, mm -hmm. to to provide as reliable and consistent service as possible. Now, is your is this new expansion area, the purple on the map that folks see here, uh, is that all uh, all buried underground facilities? Yes, we we chose to go with a hundred percent buried network. Um, on the uh, in the new construction area yes we have these little things called derechos that have yeah. sprung <laughs> up into the vernacular here in iowa the past few years and certainly uh a derecho proof uh network would uh would be beneficial for those folks yes and i did a couple of cost models and uh, i found that this uh we're using microduct and microfiber and i found that uh even though we're bearing this conduit, uh, which is typically more expensive than an overhead build, we came very close uh, to matching the cost of constructing it overhead. And if we would have, uh, if we would have gone with a mix of overhead and underground, we would have had to contract that out because it just would have been asking a little too much of our crews to sure. take care of all the daily goings on of, uh, of utility and still build hundreds, uh, over a hundred miles of overhead. So, um, yeah, we chose to go all underground and, uh, uh for, in my opinion, about the same cost. Great. Well, not to mention, uh, finding fiber, uh, armored fiber right now is not very easy. Is it more difficult than finding, uh, buried fiber or fiber that goes on conduit? Yeah, I think all fiber right now has uh, quite a bit of lead time on it, but uh, we were able to, uh, that, that was another factor that the microfiber that we went with, with the YOFC, uh, was available uh, with no lead time. Now, you and I started our conversation here a couple of weeks ago at an event we were both at, and talking about the fact that you guys made the choice to go with uh, microfiber and, um, and uh, multi-path conduit. Talk a little bit about that process you went through to evaluate that because it's not, it, you have to really take a look at it, hard look at it to understand that the maybe the incremental cost difference up front might have long range uh, benefits and returns. 
Yes. So we've been uh, dabbling with uh, micro uh, for a few years now. Um, and I was first introduced to this back in uh, 2015. We had a, a project going on that we had contracted out and uh, the contractor came in and, and jetted all this fiber in. And I was just amazed at uh, the distances and the speed at which they were able to uh, install that cable. Uh, and also the how few uh, crew members they had and, and what they were able to accomplish in a day's work. So that kind of got the ball rolling. And, uh, and then I finally uh, had a couple of projects uh, that I felt were candidates for micro technology. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, long story short, we were uh, able to get a, a demo unit down here and uh, uh, got the micro conduit installed. And it was an overwhelming success. We were, we were pretty surprised at how uh, efficient uh, installing fiber was. Um, and so, do, and, and that's why I uh, chose to go with this on the, on the rural, uh, mm -hmm. in a rural setting especially, uh, it's set up perfectly for jetting fiber through a microconduit. Uh, lots of uh, straight runs. Um, it, the terrain is pretty consistent. Not to say that it's not also efficient uh, if you were in uh, a not so straight and flat environment. Uh, there are other uh, instances uh, that, that where it works as well. But for our system especially, it was ideal uh, for uh, for this project and. Uh, uh, we could send out a crew of three or four and they, they could probably install 10 to 15,000 feet of fiber a day. Wow. I'm uh, I was looking for a good illustration. The previous picture I had was a little too small, Mike, but um, Duraline is actually a C-band associate member. So let's give them a little credit here. Okay. They're one of the manufacturers that make um, the micro duct that we've been talking about. And essentially it's a bunch of pipes in the middle of a big pipe and you bury it all at the same time. And you may only use one or two of these smaller pipes, but you've got all this others that you can use in the future if needed. Right. Yes. Um, that's the, the very interesting part of this whole thing is uh, being able to uh, pull one pipe down there with multiple paths in it. And uh, I think Durline has the, uh, the trademark on that future path because that's exactly yeah. what what it, the, the name implies future um throughout our network uh our particular design i did um uh, design in an extra pathway mm -hmm. or an extra conduit uh throughout um and uh you know in a rural setting you don't need to do the uh the uh, seven way right um we we did do some four way uh quite a bit of it uh, a majority of it is two-way, mm -hmm. but in a lot of single. Um, but I'm looking at uh, incorporating this into the residential designs as well in town. Uh, and I think I have a way of doing that as well. Uh, you know, it's, it takes a different way of looking at things uh, and it changes, you know, how you go about design. But the future path, I think, uh, is going to be the way of the future uh, just it eases the installation of the fiber itself right and it's a one and done technology it, it just 
you put that pathway in there and, and, uh, you know, we have, we had normally gone with a two inch conduit and I know, I know a lot of systems go with an inch and a quarter right. yep. and you can get a couple of cables in there and a two inch, you could get three in there. Uh, but on the longer runs, it makes it, you know, much more difficult by the time you get two or three cables plus a, uh, a tracer wire or, uh, a, a, an extra pole rope, all these things tend to get twisted around each other. It makes it more difficult to come back in the future to do anything. I just realized while we're talking here, I didn't have to pull up a picture. I've got one sitting on my desk, which I use as a pen holder. See, there you go. Perfect. That way I can line up the right color pin with the right color uh, conduit. So uh, don't want to throw away those straps. gave me one of those a while back to use yeah. as a cup or a pen holder. So, no, that's great. And that's, again, part of the flexibility you have when you're a locally controlled, community-owned broadband provider, that you can make design decisions decisions like that without having to run it up 57 levels of corporate approval and make the design based on local knowledge, local experience, and uh, make the decision that's best for your uh, your utility. I think uh, the key to it is is to build it overhead or underground is always a question. And, and I think mm -hmm. a lot of people look at underground as, oh, it's just way more expensive. Long term, I don't think it's more expensive. I think it's uh, less expensive. It's a more efficient way of installing uh, your services. And, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about pole detachment agreements. Right. Uh, you know, pole replacement, pole damage, uh, all sorts of things that can go wrong. And sure, uh, once in a while, things might get cut out there. That can happen. Uh, but uh, I think that's less of a chance than something on the overhead uh, portion getting damaged. Yeah, probably, uh, especially when you look at recent years and some of the weather phenomenon that we've, uh, we've had here in the Midwest. Yeah. So, before we wrap up, just kind of give us a little timeline about this project. Again, we're talking about the purple shaded areas that you received state funding. Let's give a little hats off kudos to the Iowa uh, office of uh, CIO because they've done a really good job administering the Iowa broadband grant program. So hats off yep. to all the people in that office. Um, what's your timeline for um, putting stuff in the ground and hooking people up in these purple areas? Well, we look to start conduit construction uh, either in late May or early June. And uh, the, the major reason why we had to wait that long is because we had to wait for material. Right. The yeah. conduit is, uh, has taken a while. There was quite a lead time on that. Yeah. Uh, so, but once we get started, we'll uh, get start getting pipe in the ground. And uh, we, we do have a plan for the construction uh, in a, uh, we have prioritized uh, areas. Um, I would say we would be pretty fortunate uh, to get customers activated this fall in the new areas. Um, there is quite an aggressive uh, construction plan for the conduit to be installed. Uh, we'd like to get a majority of that done this year. Right. And uh, I think it'll take us a majority of next year to really get the rest of the system built and to get all the services installed to the house. But yeah, we plan to con start construction uh, around June. Fantastic. Yeah. And and you guys had to, you planned to, had to obviously plan ahead to have materials on hand for a June right. project. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, 
we we were fortunate enough to get a majority of our products from one provider. Uh, just the way it worked out, they uh, they came in with the best price. Uh, yeah. But we were fortunate to always all to also get what I believe the best product. Um, we're working with uh, quad optical solutions. Okay. And uh, uh, they are based out of Green Bay. Uh, so we got our hand holes, uh, splice cases, um, and our fiber through through that company there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for taking the time today to kind of walk us through uh, Cedar Falls Utilities and your rural broadband expansion. Um, again, the team at Cedar Falls Utilities, um, I've said this many times, you guys are like the big brother of all the munis in Iowa. And uh, you guys have certainly always got above and beyond to make other new projects uh, uh, happen through your just providing your your experiences and your best practices. So thank you to you and and your entire team there. Uh, you can learn more about Cedar Falls Utilities at their website. The URL is listed here on the page. I want to thank you, Mike, for uh, joining us today. Mike Smith is the um, uh, senior construction planner. Is that Did I get that right? Close enough. Senior Close. communications planner. Yeah. <laughs> senior communications planner. But he's not a senior because I, I think he's probably younger than me. But that's okay. <laughs> He's senior as an experience and obviously putting that good experience to work for the folks in, in and around Cedar Falls, Iowa. Kurt, I would just add, um, if, if there are any communities out there or, or uh, companies out there that are interested in knowing more about uh, micro and how we came about that decision, uh, feel free to contact us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Mike Smith at Cedar Falls Utilities. Thank you for listening to the Broadband Action Podcast. We encourage you to like or subscribe for future content here on the podcast. Spread the word. And thanks for joining us.